For streaming, creating, gaming, and more, power your passions for less during Dell's exceptional Cyber Savings event. Enjoy up to $400 off stunning laptops like the XPS, along with high-performance desktops and next-level Alienware systems, redefining what's possible with 10th-gen Intel Core processors. Shop special prices on top-brand electronics and accessories, plus enjoy free shipping on everything. Don't forget to ask for Intel when you call 1-800-BUY-DELL. That's 1-800-BUY-DELL. Howdy doody. It's January 16th, 2020, and we have a great show for you. I talk about Luke Keekley's early retirement. I was in a similar situation. I think you'll enjoy it. Talk a little baseball today. Big controversy, or is there? We talked to Gold Glove winner Tucker Barnhart. Great conversation and eye-opener. Talk to Jeff Garcia, quarterback legend in Canada and in the National Football League. He stopped from a mountain bike ride to talk to us. Super fit, dude. He buries me a little bit. Good conversation with him about the games coming up this weekend. Then a conversation with Thomas Morstead, legendary punter for the Saints. He's currently at the NFLPA and NFL negotiations, I believe, for the new CBA. Wouldn't tell a shit. I alluded to some stuff. It was a good conversation. I think you're going to like today. Hey, I think today's going to be a day you're going to enjoy, and I can't thank you enough for listening. I also can't thank our presenting sponsor enough, which is SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the greatest ticket-buying platform on planet Earth and... The moon. She's back. (laughs) Guess who's back? Back, back. Back again. Sam is back. Sammy Lynn. Well, for Valentine's Day, why don't you buy, a, you know, maybe some tickets to a concert, maybe a play, maybe a game. Go to SeatGeek and do that because SeatGeek scans all the other ticket buying platforms to make sure you're getting the best value for the ticket that you purchase. The best ticket available for the best price available is available for you, the best human on earth, because you're shopping with SeatGeek. You okay over there? I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. A little water. You know, got a little frog in your throat. That's what they say. Anyways, right now, promo code PAT. Get $10 off your first order from SeatGeek. Promo code McAfee. $20 off your first order from SeatGeek. Wow. They're giving shit away. I know. You're alive, but are you living? Go live and experience something live. Tickets to everything from SeatGeek at the best price. Promo code PAT. $10 off your first order. Promo code McAfee. $20 off your first order. Let's get to it. Uh, I think the big news today, though, is something that is very near and dear to my heart. Luke Keekley deciding to retire out of nowhere, literally out of nowhere, via social media video at the age of 28. This guy made seven Pro Bowls out of eight seasons that he played in the NFL. I think he has a run of all pros as well. He's a guy that I got to meet at the Pro Bowl that was so interesting to me because he's like Clark Kent. That's the guy. Yeah, yeah. He's like Clark Kent. You see him off the field. He has glasses on. He's very quiet. What Shakes your hand. Hi, how's it going? Very nice to meet you. I'm like, Luke, nice to meet you as well. Went to Boston College. Obviously has an incredibly big brain. And then when he gets on the field, he flips the switch and becomes an absolute maniac. Calling out the other team's play before they can even call it. Going sideline to sideline. Freak athlete. The ability to will his team to victories once again and after again. I mean, he was just a lightning rod on the football field. A second coming of Erlacher and all these other linebackers that you learned to love growing up in football. Luke Keekley was just a very, very special football player. Now, at the age of 28, 
He has decided to retire young. He's made fifty-plus million dollars already. Well, congrats to Uncle Sam making twenty-three probably million dollars <laughs> out of that. So he has over twenty-five million dollars in the bank account that he has, I assume, saved and done proper things with because he's a business marketing degree from Boston College, which is not an easy school. And while I was watching and listening to his retirement video that he put out there, which I'm assuming, by the way. After we've gotten to know Luke Keekley a little bit, we did some stuff with him at the Super Bowl, met him at the Pro Bowl. I think he was in that room probably alone with that camera, mm -hmm, by the way. Mm -hmm. He's not a guy who's comfortable or loves speaking in front of a camera. He's not a guy that loves a lot of attention. He just loves the football, and I think he loves his teammates. So whenever he started speaking and he was talking about how he wanted to retire, I think the part that really got to me was about a minute 30 into this speech, he starts talking about how he still wants to play, but he doesn't feel as if he is fast enough, physical enough, or whatever to keep up with the guys that are already in the linebacker locker room next to him. And that was like heartbreaking to me to see this guy who is this Greek god on a football field, this man who is this super alpha. He almost started breaking down. And it's like he had a moment where he realized that he just didn't have it like he used to have it. Now, granted, he just made another Pro Bowl. This is a guy who I would assume Matt Rule was banking on being a leader and a stallion in the locker room for him going forward. But in Luke Kuechly's eyes, he didn't think he had it like he once had it. And this can be a tough conversation with yourself. A lot of people don't have it. That's why you see a lot of people hang on until the very end. Try to collect as much cash as you possibly can. When I retired, there's people in the media telling me that I didn't have any friends because my friends weren't gluing my jersey on me so I can continue to collect cash until my legs fall off, basically, is what people said. That mindset has been one around for a long time because the NFL is a dream job for a lot of humans. Those who don't make it to the NFL and always dreamed of being NFL players assume that you should want to stay in the NFL forever. But what people need to know is the to be in the NFL is a privilege, not a right. For me, I no longer wanted to focus entirely on kicking a football. I wanted to focus on other things, and I think the Shield deserves people that want to focus entirely on being a professional athlete. I didn't want to focus day to day on what would make me a better ball kicker. I wanted to utilize my brain and my time and my efforts to do other things. Now, granted, I was staring down a third surgery in four years. I didn't exactly love going to work anymore due to the general manager that was there for the years before I was there. But ultimately, at the end, I didn't want to do and sacrifice my time in life to make sure that I would still be good at my job. When I was listening to Luke Keekley speak in that video, it sounded like to me it was a guy that was obviously didn't love the thought that he didn't have it anymore but also it sounded like a guy who was potentially excited to turn his efforts elsewhere it sounded like a guy who didn't want to have to commit his entire life to being great again because as you get older and this is what's so impressive about tom brady this is what's so impressive about adam vinatieri this is what's so impressive about the people aaron Rodgers, that get older and older and drew Brees and can stay at that high level is the amount of commitment that you have to maintain to not only stay physically shaped, mentally sharp, but that competitive edge that has to keep you waking up every morning wanting to get better is something that not everybody can maintain and keep having. I'm very thankful for Luke Keekley for what he did on a football field and what he did for the NFL was great things. I was very excited to watch him play every time he got on there. And I'm also very happy and thankful for him if he has found complete peace. 
in there he said he still wanted to play so there will always be that lore of will luke keekly come back will he miss the banging from training camp or the camaraderie with the guys which i would assume is potentially going to happen a lot of people are going to talk about that just like gronk alluded to when gronk tweeted so when are you coming back because as soon as gronk retired he had an emotional press conference about how beat up his body was and how happy he was to go forward and all anybody kept saying was oh gronk's coming back gronk's coming back gronk's coming back well, maybe just like me, maybe just like Gronk, maybe Luke Keekley got to the point where he started thinking, you know what, I want to enjoy my life outside of football and focus on other things other than hitting people and dissecting offenses. And if that's the case, I'm incredibly happy for Luke Keekley, and I hope he enjoys the hell out of his retirement. Yeah, when I was watching, I thought he was going to pull a Wolf of Wall Street like halfway through and be like, you know what? I'm not leaving. It seemed like a I'm minute, a minute thirty in. It seemed like there was a, quite a turn. Yeah. For the first minute, he was very calm, cool, mm-hmm. collected, and then about a, I think it was like a minute thirty, and he goes, "I still want to play." Yeah. And it was like almost like that moment. And I even got emotional. I, I retired on Comedy Central <laughs> <laughs> uh, to join Barstool, and it was Super Bowl week. But I, I typed up something for my Twitter, which is where basically any person that really, you know knew anything about me was through my Twitter. And while I was typing it up, I got emotional in the middle of it because the game of football is such an awesome one. Mm-hmm. Like Luke Keekley said, I still want to be involved in football. you got a lot of people that even though they choose to retire early, doesn't mean they don't love football. It just means they want to spend their time potentially doing something else. And I would assume that Luke Keekley will still remain around football. A guy that smart, we hope his brain is still utilized in the football world. He's missed seven games, I think, with three diagnosed concussions or something like that. You have to think that that probably was a part of the conversation but i'm happy for luke hopefully finding solace and it did feel like about halfway through that video that he was potentially just going to be like yeah turn the camera off (laughs) (laughs) uh but good for him i'm happy for him and now he gives a chance to somebody else to step up and make a play and just like the nfl has done since the beginning of time it'll continue to grow and evolve and luke keekley now is going to experience life post football which i have found to be a damn good time I think that's what's so admirable too is like if you're just like an average NFL fan or watcher like you would assume like this guy still got it he's still one of the best linebackers so for him to like have the courage to be like yeah I just don't I'm not the player I used to be I can't do that to my teammates like that's that's crazy that's why it was so surprising to me well I think that's the so a lot of people saw me tweet a lot right whenever I was towards the end of my career tweet 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 but every time I'd wake up every decision I made everything I did I mean I don't really drink much anymore I didn't drink them every decision I made I was like is this gonna make me kick a ball better you know Mm -hmm. like is this gonna make me kick a ball better I almost felt like I was being and this sounds don't take this for how serious it could be but it felt as if I was being held hostage by a profession Mm -hmm. right and I was getting paid very very well very very grossly overpaid for what I was doing but every single decision I made was like okay is this going to make me kick a ball better is this going to make me go out onto a field after our offense fails and kick a ball better every single decision I made even in June even in April even every single thing you did every single day revolves around that for me whenever I retired it was nice for my brain to just be able to think like okay I don't have to just focus in on this one job that does deserves 100% of your attention, by the way. Being in the NFL deserves 100% of your attention. And I think that's the thing that I slowly realized as I got older and more mature. It was like, the NFL is the best league on planet Earth. It deserves people to be 100% committed to it. And I no longer wanted to be 100% committed to kicking a ball. So I got out. I think Luke feels the same way. Like, the NFL 
is a place for elite athletes. And even if he's being hard on himself, which I think Luke could probably still play for another 10 years. Luke Keekley could mm -hmm. hang on and play somewhere mm -hmm. for another 10 years. Not even hang on. Luke Keekley could thrive somewhere for another 10 years. But if he's gotten to the point where he's like, listen, this league deserves somebody that is at a better level than I am at right now. This league deserves somebody that wants to focus on this more than I do right now. I think that's admirable, and I'm very happy for him. Will we see Luke Keekley back? That's the question everybody's going to ask. There's probably odds somewhere right now. I'm going to assume not because he's got a big brain. He was able to dissect plays. He went to Boston College, and I hope he's happy with that because in that video, it didn't feel as if he was all 100% all in on that retirement. If, and now, if you look going forward, there's a chance Matt Rule comes in and you're losing the three faces of the franchise for the last. You're going to lose Keekley, probably Greg Olson, high probability of retiring as well, and then Cam Newton could be out too. So it could be just a clean slate, clean slate for the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers could be brand new, but they got seven years to do it and mm -hmm. sixty-two M's <laughs> to do that with. Poor Matt Rule, not not literally, mm. but <laughs> but you're right though. Matt Rule now signs Joe Brady as offense coordinator, who I thought would get a lot more looks. You know, because the trend, Cliff mm -hmm. Kingsbury gets a gig, Matt LaFleur gets a gig, Sean McVay gets a gig. These young, brilliant, offensive-minded guys from whether college or the NFL are getting these head coaching gigs. Joe Brady, who made Joe Burrow the most impressive quarterback in the history of college football. That, 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 that is not just saying like, hey, this Joe Burrow guy is the most impressive I've ever seen. No, that's real. Highest completion percentage, most touchdowns, most effective offense in the SEC history. I mean, this Joe Brady guy single-handedly came in and earned Joe Burrow $40 million. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's just, and you would think with the world and the way the NFL is that you would want this, because they ran a little RPO as well. Mm -hmm. it, it, the way the NFL is trending, you would have thought that Joe Brady would have gotten a lot more looks than he was. His name wasn't even mentioned for things. And I think Matt rule was sitting back looking at this whole thing he was like Cleveland Browns aren't even going to interview this guy Giants aren't even going to talk to this guy they're not even they're not even Cowboys aren't even going to look at this guy he's like that sounds good to me 30 year old guy who just flipped the SEC on its freaking head I'll bring him into Carolina which I think does mean by the way that they're probably going to get a new quarterback I think if you unless ah, he might be able to do some real good things with Cam Newton I mean I mean that is a decision that's going to have to be made and I don't think they're all out on Cam Newton but I do know that if they do release Cam Newton they get 19 million more dollars for a team that looks like they're going to have seven years and a patient owner to build however you want to build. Cam Newton can play for another seven years. Is he the guy of the future? I don't know. We're going to find out. I think this Joe Brady hire was a good one. But now Matt Rule has to figure out who's going to be the leader of his defense. How do you replace a consummate all-pro? How do you uh, replace a perennial pro bowler who not only is fast and freakish physically, but mentally the guy can line everybody up and he can tell exactly what it is. That's going to be tough for Matt Rule. He's got a lot of money and a lot of tasks in front of him. Christian McCaffrey is really the only constant that he has. When do you think Matt Rule, do you think he had any inkling of this when he first got the job or is this the kind of thing where like he would have found out yesterday that Luke Keekley was retiring? I have no idea. I, I have no clue how that goes. The fact that Luke Keekley did it the way he did it was very surprising to me too because Luke Keekley is a guy that does not love being on a camera. Mm -hmm. We we got a chance to do some stuff with him at the last Super Bowl. And by the way, he's just as impressive off the field as he is on the field. Gentlemen. I think he listed off every single player in the uh -huh. NFC South or something for yeah, us. Yeah, Like the entire, every starter. Starters the, both ways. Yeah, in the NFC South when we were with him. I mean, he's just this super brainiac that I did not expect to come through a social media video of his retirement. I respect that he did, by the way, because he got to control his own narrative. He got a chance to go on his own terms, do it his own way. But I'm not sure. I assume Matt Rule learned within the last day or so. But if you tell Matt Rule... 
you assume somebody else in the room will know and then they leak it. This was not leaked by anybody. Mm -hmm. Schefter, all the people who know everything were surprised by this video, which is why I'm so impressed by it. I think Matt Rule probably learned about it just within the last 24 hours. Yeah, and he, he's definitely disappointed because even if Keekley admits that he's lost a step or he's not the same player that he was, he still makes up with that by getting every single other player on that defense in the right place and making the right checks. And he's smart enough that even if he has lost a step, it doesn't matter because he knows where the ball's going most of the time. In all those NFL top 100 videos, you hear other players talk about yes. other players. I did it like six days after a surgery one time, and I was on like 45 to 50 painkillers. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't remember any of it until it aired, and I was like, oh. I slaughtered on there. I, <laughs> I was really good. But listening to the players talk about Luke Keekley, you listen to other offensive linemen talk about playing against Luke Keekley, and they they all say, like, we're in our set, and this guy's telling us basically what our check is about to be. And we're like, how do you know that we're not doing that? And then the conversation, Luke would like look at him and be like, yeah, you are. <laughs> That's just the type of player he was, right? And he said he wanted to be known as a guy who was like physical, fast, and tough, I believe. But I think his biggest thing was he was smarter than everybody. So those are the four contributing factors, and I would assume all four of those are things that he would like to keep intact. Mm -hmm. He said he didn't have it as much as he thought he once did, and he said that linebacker room is a good one. I feel like he almost felt bad for taking the spot of somebody else whenever he wasn't at his 100% that he might have been a couple years ago. But his what? 90% or whatever he thinks he is at right now is still top 5% in all of defensive players, yeah. which I think the NFL and NFL fans should be very thankful that we got to see Luke Keekley. I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed that we won't see more of him. But if he's happy, I'm happy. And he's accrued over $50 million in his career. He has a big old brain. And if he can utilize that to focus on something other than dissecting offenses and working out and running his head into people, I think we should be very happy for him. Do you think this is potentially Marshawn's fault? Like like Luke was on the edge and then Marshawn was hey. like, take care of your chicken and your mentals. And Luke was like, oh, you're right. By the way, chicken is money. Mm -hmm. Really? Oh. Oh. What do you think? Children? I don't know. I, I couldn't figure it out. Take care of your chicken. Take care of your meat. Baby chicks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dicks. <laughs> that would have been children. Yeah. Take care of your mentals. Take care of your chicken. And he got, by the way, Marshawn, old whites, classic old whites, <laughs> said that he was, you know, speaking ridiculous or whatever. If you listen to what he was saying... It's one of the smartest things that mm -hmm. an ex-player has said. Yeah. He's like, listen, I've been on the other side. We got people that are losing their lives. Like what Marshawn did was very noble up mm -hmm. there. Now, granted, he did it strictly because he didn't want to talk to any of the humans that were bashing <laughs> him for what he was saying, which I respect even more. But it is real. Like I think a lot of us, and I'm even feeling this more and more, trying to work deals for NFLPA and NFL alums. Like I'm... I, I am active right now in trying to make sure we can get some money from companies for NFL alumni, for other people to continue to make money, because I'm not 100% sure that the NFLPA does what they probably should do, which is take care of, you know, the legends of the game, the people that built the game. And now I am somebody who is not saying like, oh, back in the day, those guys did. They did, though. And a lot of those guys haven't been taken care of. So whenever Marshawn steps up and he says, listen, a lot of these players weren't taught how to manage millions of dollars. A lot of people weren't taught, like, hey, whenever you get $100,000, all those things you've dreamed of owning in your entire life that you can now afford, a lot of people weren't taught that discipline with their finances. So whenever you hear the stat, like 80% of NFL players or 80% of professional athletes will go broke just a couple years after they retire, and everybody's like, oh, idiot, like blah, blah, blah. It's like, 
Have you ever just been handed a million dollars and said, hey, I know you used to sleep on the floor and I know you used to eat oodles and noodles and you used to do all these things for your entire life and everything you've ever wanted is now at your fingertips, but you should be disciplined with your money. And it's like, yeah, it's a lot easier said than done, my friend. And I think that type of thing that happens happens to a lot of players. And I think Marshawn taking the, the, the initiative to talk about that is cool. But I'm not 100% sure Luke Keekley is directly because of Marshawn <laughs> Something to think about. Something to think about, though. Did Marshawn Lynch, Hall of Famer in his own right, mm-hmm. talk Luke Keekley? Did Marshawn Lynch from the town, okay? Okay? The town. Town business. Did he convince a Boston College grad that he needs to take care of his chicken and retire? And if he did, that's why football is the most beautiful game on earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People from two polar opposite parts of the world can come together for an agreement and understanding and for one common goal, and that's the betterment of the future. That's like Aaron Aaron Rodgers and Marshawn Lynch after the game. Mm-hmm. Be, going, taking their own special moment, exchanging jerseys. They're on Cal. They're both Cal teammates together. Two very different yep. individuals. That's why football is the greatest sport on earth, by the way. Matt Rule said this in his press conference, Carolina Panthers, it's real. You walk into a locker room, you got a short little dumpy guy. Oh, he's the kicker, okay? You got a six foot six guy who's shredded, who's 265 pounds. Oh, that's a defensive end. That guy is from, there. you got a guy from Compton. You got a guy from Bel Air. You got people from all over the place coming together for one common goal. That is why football is the most beautiful game on earth because of that. And I think that is what people miss whenever they retire, mm-hmm. is that camaraderie with people that are very different than you, being able to come together for one goal and being able to make it happen. That'll probably be what Luke Keekley misses the most, if I had to guess. Massive baseball scandal happening right now with signs being stolen via videotaping and cameras and, and bats and garbage cans and yelling and whistles and all this stuff. And I, I only played baseball one time in my life. It was professionally. So anytime I have a question about baseball and its ethics and rules, I call a guy who's a friend of mine, Indiana base guy, Cincinnati Reds, Gold Glove winning catcher, Tucker Handsome Barnard. Tucker! What's going on, man? Hey, happy to see rehab's going well, by the way. You posted a video of you hitting the hell out of a baseball off a tee. Happy to see it. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Feel how, good. How are you? What happened? What did you hurt? Uh, I came back at the end of the year, so I was I, I finished the year healthy, but I, I, think, I thought you had to have abs to pull them. Uh, <laughs> but I pulled an ab and an oblique. Uh, but I finished the year healthy, so everything was good. But... Uh, it hurt like hell, that's for sure. I could have fathom. I'm excited to see you back. <laughs> Obviously, we are Reds fans here. Last year was tough. I, I, you guys gave us nothing to cheer for. I assume this year will be different, Tucker. I assume this year. Yeah, will be we made a lot of uh, we've made a lot of acquisitions this offseason that have uh, that are proven to be that are going to help us. Is that uh, real? Is that real? Oh yeah, yeah, that's real. We've we signed a couple guys. We signed a guy out of straight out of Japan who was a five time All Star over there. Uh, signed a guy named Mike Mustakis who's really going to help oh, yeah. us out. Let's go, so, Reds! Uh, Okay, good. All right, good. Let's get past that. Um, Last time I talked with you, you said something in our conversation about the baseballs being a little bit easier to hit, it feels like. That made waves, and then now everybody's talking about it. That was like a couple years ago. Now, whenever I have a question about anything in this world, you're like a generational baseball player. Dad, I think, is it? I mean, like you've lived in, in this world. So now, Alex Cora is this guy who is 
formerly of the Boston Red Sox. And Boston just so happens to be attached to this. I don't know why with <laughs> everything like that. He was at the Astros. Whenever he was the assistant, the bench coach, the assistant coach of the Astros, the Astros broke basically every single hitting record that you could possibly break at home. He gets a job. They win a World Series. He gets a job at Boston. They do the same thing up there. Then all of a sudden, a pitcher comes out and says, oh, they're recording it. A podcaster says it. Is this something that is understood that happens? Or is this, like, what is your take on this as a guy who's a catcher and your exact fingers are probably on some of these cameras out there what is this in the state of the game well for me it ha it's been happening forever i think sign stealing uh looking for tells i mean it happens in every sport i, I mean it, I, you playing in the nfl i'm sure you watch film yep. obviously i mean you watch film you see guys on the uh, quarterbacks on the sideline looking at ipads seeing pictures like real-time real-time pictures it happens in every sport, and so I kind of don't understand it. Um, and, and my worry is baseball has all these unwritten rules. Uh, you hear you hear guys say, "Well, he's not supposed to do that." Well, it's not by the letter of the law; it's not a rule necessarily. And so, like in preparation for this article or for this interview, I, I did I did a little research and I read a couple articles, and nowhere that I found was anything that was being done. At that time, it wasn't necessarily against any rules. Was it frowned upon? Maybe. However, from a catcher's perspective, we do things from inning to inning. We change signs. You you set up later before the pitch is getting ready to be thrown to you to combat that. So anytime like a guy's on second base, you have a sign sequence. It may it, it it's as intricate as the the a, a one, which normally means fastball doesn't mean a fastball and then you sequence it in a in a number of signs to try and hide it things like that i mean you you do things to combat those things you look for tells from the other team that make it appear like they're giving signs to their hitters that that it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me i, I are you saying I this is are you saying you think this is kind of getting blown out of proportion and this is something that you as a catcher who is the person whose signals are being signed basically understands that there is the potential of this happening and it's your job it's on you and the pitcher to make sure that this doesn't benefit the other team no question no no question i think i i would be willing to bet that when mike fire said what he said that he wasn't he didn't think it would get to where it's at now I mean, guys are losing their jobs. Guys are potentially getting blackballed from baseball with with all of this stuff that's gone on. And if it's pretty black and white for me. If they were breaking a rule, I get it. If they were breaking an unwritten rule, I don't understand it. Because I mean, in any in any walk of life, you look for an advantage. If if there, if if in, I, I have a unique position because I'm in a situation as being a catcher that that I do things to combat sign stealing but also from a hitter's perspective i would love to know what's coming i mean it makes my it makes my job a hell of a lot easier to hit if i know what pitch is coming and so if a pitcher is blatantly giving me if he if he's in the windup and it's as blatant as his hands go over his head when he throws a fastball and his hands don't go over his head when he throws a breaking ball i'm going to take advantage of that and so is everybody else that's on that's on our team so i i that to me is what i don't get i don't get that that if if a guy was showing that he was throwing a changeup, and a, and I mean it's been happening forever. If All you right. played literally, I have a question. I think people are assuming because 
Now, is this something you're going to have to change, knowing that there is a chance that there is a camera? Sh- that, now, they said, now, I, I don't know enough about baseball to really ask the right questions here, but they said there was a camera being shot from center field at the catcher. They would then go into a room to see what the catcher was doing, and then they would bang on garbage cans and whistle and stuff for what the pitcher is doing as a catcher now i'm just i've never played catcher i've only played right field professionally but if i was a catcher and i heard this type of stuff happening isn't that something that would also maybe tip you off like oh they're giving a little bit of this or they're giving a little bit of that or something like that and is the fact that they had a live feed going on is what they're blowing up about or is that something that maybe you know is happening they are the the live feed is the issue i believe However, the rule of not being able to have, I think they changed where you can have cameras. They changed that going into last season. And so all of this was happening, it happened in 2017 when there wasn't a rule where you could or couldn't have cameras. So for me, it's a little, it's, it's really kind of, it's odd to me. I don't, again, I I said it a hundred times. I don't get it. You hate it. I, I do. I, I think it sucks. I really do. I think it sucks because a guy outed his teammates that he benefited from. I, and I just think that I think it sucks. Imagine if you're a catcher, though, and you hear an entire dugout like <laughs> <laughs> and you're just sitting there. You're like, what is that? Are you guys? Excuse me. I think there is something going. It, it, that's the thing about baseball, though, that I think a lot of people appreciate, especially baseball fans, is like the the game. Right, like there's a game inside of a game that's happening. Whether it's the umpire's strike zone, whether it's like uh, a little bit of more grip on the thing or the ball or anything like that, there's always like these little games inside of baseball. When a lot of people from a thirty thousand foot view, you see, you're like, oh, okay, it's pitcher versus batter, and then there's nine innings. But there's all these little things trying to get this little advantage in these one hundred and ninety seven thousand games that you have. It's almost like a part of the sport. Is that what you're saying? As opposed to these unwritten rules being broken, it's almost like these types of things are a part. Of the sport and it's what makes the sport even better i agree I, I it's things i mean it's things that have been happening for 50 years i mean it's just guys like i played with some guys that played with the dodger with chase utley on the dodgers towards the end of his career and our hitting coach said last year that chase's job when he wasn't playing he would just look for the pitcher to see if he could pick up anything to decipher what pitch was coming i mean that was just basically his job uh with the dodgers like i said when he wasn't playing so it's just thing things like that and he had he had gotten that from guys that he had played with with coming up through the minor leagues and, in, and early on in his career in philadelphia and i just it's it's something that's gone on forever uh now again if they were breaking a rule if there was something in place that said this the live feed couldn't be directly to a camera in the video room or in the batting cage or anything like that then I completely understand it. But, however, if there was no rule in place about the live feed, like you said, or anything like that, then I just don't I just don't understand it. All right. Well, that's my opinion from here on out, though. Do you have a question, Tucker? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, and I agree with what you're saying, Tucker, too, about, like, the unwritten rules and this stuff going on. But, like, does it change your mind at all when you see, like, Houston's home and away splits, like the stats? Like, they, they were basically unbeatable at home at points during the postseason. I mean, like, they're, you know, they're batting average. And I get home field advantage being something that's very real, but, you know, they're batting, like, 80 points higher, a lot more homers, a lot more extra base hits, scoring a lot more runs. Like, does that change your opinion on, uh, on it at all? It doesn't necessarily change my opinion on it. Uh, I think, like, from, uh, like, a catcher standpoint and from, like, a scouting report standpoint, 
we look at things like that. And so there, it, everybody knows who is who are the teams that that give signs, whether it be yeah. first base coach or third base coach does something that the hitter can see, or if it's a runner on second base giving a location to a hitter or, or things like that, or you know your pitchers that, that get in trouble and tip their pitches sometimes. And so you, it's just something you have to take extra precautions. I, I mean, and, and it's, it's pretty obvious now thinking back, like Brian McCann, when he was catching for the Astros in 17 in the World Series, everybody was talking about how many visits they made to the mound. They, they hated it. They hated it. But he was going, and every time he would go, he, would th- he was going to combat the other team from stealing signs, and they would change up the signs and do things like that. I mean, there are things now that happen. Uh, the Cardinals come to mind. They have a, a card in their back pocket that Yadier Molina will go like this behind the plate, and he'll hold up like a number two, number five, number four, whatever it is, and the pitcher will pull a card out of his back pocket, look at the card, sign sequence number four, and they change the signs, and it's crazy. It's like a football. The, it's like a quarterback with the arm it, sleeve. It is. It is, and it's just there's th- there's things done now to combat that, and it, so it doesn't necessarily to answer your question it doesn't necessarily change my mind. It just makes it more obvious that they were able to do something at home. They were able to give signs, and, and again, to me, it's very black and white. If it was against the rules, then then I hate it. But if it was just a competitive advantage that they were using or an unwritten rule, then. I think it's just part of the game. Gold Glove winner, starting catcher for the Cincinnati Reds, coming off a of rehab. Reds are going to be good this year. Excited for that. Indiana native and legend. I appreciate you, Tucker Barnhart. You got it, Pat. Thanks, guys. Sorry, as the Canadians would say, uh, for interrupting, but I just want to let you know that right now I'm recording this ad on top of a bed. This particular bed was delivered to my house in a box. This particular bed was scientifically tested to be the most comfortable bed that I've ever laid on. This bed is from Lisa. Lisa Mattress is a company that has revolutionized the way you shop for a mattress. No longer do you have to go to a weird mattress store with a weird mattress salesman and lay down on a despicable bed to find out if it's the right one for you. You want springs, you want air, you want this, you want that. I don't want to lay in other people's shit. How about that? Is that an option? It is now. Thanks to our friends at Lisa. Right now, they have a sale for it's $200 off a mattress that arrives at your door in a box, so it's very convenient. Once you unbox it and unvacuum, what's it called? Vacuum seal, right? Yeah. Yeah, once you unvacuum seal, it takes like... Minute and a half, two minutes for that thing to fully inflate. Then you move it into place. Five minutes, you have a bed ready to go. Hey, how's it going? It's going great because I'm sleeping on something beautiful. Right now, they got $200 off at lisasleep.com. Enjoy the hell out of a great new bed in a convenient fashion. It's a new year. Time for you to get well-rested. Time for you to get a Lisa mattress. I called uh, football the greatest sport on earth. I got some soccer truthers coming out. Mm. Come on. Just right. know to the soccer truthers that are tweeting me, I was better than you at soccer. <laughs> got him. And I feel this way about football. But, I mean, to each their own. You do what you got to do. It is the world sport. I can agree with that and respect that. But joining us now is a man who is a Grey Cup champion in the CFL, an NFL pro bowler, and I believe he is currently in the middle of a workout. Former San Francisco 49er legend, Jeff Garcia. Good morning. What's happening, man? What are you doing? Getting after it over there a little bit? 
I'm just on a little bike ride, just a little warm up in the morning, get it going, get the body loosened up. Oh my God. Do you do that every single day? Do you do some form of cardio every single day? No, I actually hate cardio. I despise it. (laughs) Unless I'm like playing in some basketball league or something like that. But I'll get on my mountain bike every once in a while. I live in a great area where there's a lot of uh, natural paths all around, so I can get on those and get a little get a little something in. Get get the body lubed up. As you know, playing this game for a long time, um, you get into a consistent kind of mode as far as working out, and and that's important to me because it's more more than anything it's not so much the physical benefits as it is the mental benefits just getting out there and getting my blood going and getting a pump on i like to get into the gym though i'll get into the gym five days a week and just kind of try to stay active i love that you're a meathead i need to get back (laughs) i need to get back into that jeff i need to get back i am so fat right now these last four months i'm 260 pounds right now jeff i'm i'm potentially gonna die of cholesterol or heart attack at any given time i need to get back into it yeah, man, you got to take care of yourself. Come on, man, get after it, dude. Hey, you I know better than that. Jeff, I don't, actually. <laughs> Jeff, I don't. All right, let's get to this weekend, shall we? San Francisco Absolutely. 49ers are back on top of the world, hosting the NFC Championship up there in Santa Clara. George Kittle, your Jimmy G, that run game, the defense seems to be back. Richard Sherman can dissect everything it feels like. Do the Packers have a chance going in there, and how do you see the game playing out? Well, you know, just like anybody, they have a chance. I mean, obviously, this league, this game comes down to one game. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, that offensive group that they have, they're they're talented enough to put points on the board. Now, going back seven, eight weeks when the Niners played them on Monday night, they completely dismantled Green Bay. Really uh, took everything away from them from a defensive standpoint and what Aaron and the offense could do I mean they they were stagnant and um, you know I look at the Niners right now they're just coming together at the perfect time they had they got healed up they got some of their guys key guys D Ford Jaquaski Tart uh, Quan Alexander on the defensive side when they were playing top-notch defensive football that was the first eight weeks of the season they were one of the best in the NFL then they kind of fell off. They had a few injuries. They kind of fell off a little bit. People started to expose certain things about them. But now getting some of those key ingredients back along with what they have with Bosa and Armstead and Buckner inside, I mean, this is a group that uh, just plays extremely great team football on defense. And then when you look at their offensive side of the ball with George Kittle at tight end and some of the guys that they have stepping up now, Debo Samuels, Emmanuel Sanders, those guys at the wide receiver position, and then the three-headed monster of running backs with uh, Moster and Coleman and Breida and Jimmy G just making good decisions. They're really built well and built well to be good for the next, not just year this year, but years to come. But uh, this should be a great matchup. I mean, Aaron's been here before. He's obviously led that team to a Super Bowl title before. They're very capable of coming in and putting a great game plan together and a great game. And these are two coaches that know each other. Kyle Shanahan and and um, LaFleur. Green Bay's head coach. Yeah, they were together in Washington. So they have familiarity with each other, and it should be a great game. Sorry, nobody knew his name before he was hired. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I struggle with everybody's name. No, I think he just did an incredible job breaking down that game. What do you think John Lynch 
Why do you think? Let me change that question. Why do you think John Lynch has had such success building up this roster? What you just said. They're also, I think, they're contractually in a good spot mm-hmm. for a few years as well. They have a quarterback that they've paid, and they've still been able to put together a good team. Why do you think John Lynch has had such good success at the GM position? I think you know, Pat. Oftentimes, those GMs are guys that have never played the game of football. They don't know what it's like to be in a locker room. You get a guy like John Lynch, who's been a Super Bowl champion, who's been on the ballot for the Hall of Fame, who was such a, an elite pro for his entire career uh, with a defensive mindset. As you know, as you've seen in the past, teams that are built strong on the defensive side of the ball, you look at Denver a few years ago when they played Carolina, it wasn't Peyton Manning's offense that was leading that team. It was a defensive football team that was really making that team outstanding. Uh prior teams to that the Ravens uh, different situations where defensive football overpowers great offensive football and I think when they started building this team they really focused on getting that foundation of a defense that defensive line that that area that could put pressure on a quarterback that could stop the run game and uh, they've just done such a great job I think with John Lynch a guy who has played the game for so many years has such great experience who's an intellectual guy as it is from studying the game and understanding uh, the chemistry of a team and how important it is to put those pieces to the puzzle together that really fit well, that gel well together. They've done a great job of doing that. They've weeded out some of the negativity. Uh, They pushed it to the side, not allow it to become a disease from within the locker room. And uh, just their talent and what they've been able to, to see from the eye. And Debo Samuels in the second round, I mean, you can talk about the receiver from Seattle as being a steal, but Debo Samuels is turning out to be a great find in the second round for the 49ers. Just what he can do is versatility, not only as a wide receiver, but as a running back in the backfield. What he can do when he gets the ball in his hands has been exciting. So you look at just the things they've done over the last couple of years. They've really built the team up strong on the defensive side with a lot of good young talent. And then they put some good pieces in place that, uh, and look at George Kittle. They lucked out on that one. Oh. <laughs> look at a guy that they got in a later round to just be the beast that he is on the field, the energy that he brings. It's awesome. Well, you need to luck out every once in a while with later round picks, but also your culture creates that. And I think that's something that the San Francisco culture, the Niners culture is a great one. And Debo, best name I've ever heard, but also he has fit in very well there. And I think Jimmy G, everybody says people are game managers. I I think he's a great quarterback. And I I think going into last year, there was a lot of hype on them. They obviously didn't work out because Jimmy got hurt this year, not as much. Now they're kind of off and running. Can't wait to watch them take on the Packers. Love Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be a good game. Let's flip over to the AFC. How do you stop? I guess the Texans had the answer for the Chiefs, and it was score early, have them make some special teams mistakes, take advantage of them. They're up 24 zip. And then Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid with his beautiful mind and all of those weapons on that offense, they could have scored 100 if they would have played four good quarters. And I don't know how you stop that. How do you stop that, Jeff? And are the Titans the team to do it? I know. It was amazing, man, to watch that game play out, to see Houston go up 24 0, but know that. It's like they were up 24 to 0, but you knew that Kansas City wasn't out. Yes. I mean, you know, they had a couple incompletions on third down that would have extended drives, and those turned into like nightmarish oper- situations. They got the blocked punt for a touchdown. Uh, then they had the fumbled punt that gave a short field to Houston. You knew it was just a matter of time, but to how quickly they were able to turn it around to score 21 points within four minutes, to go up at halftime, 28-24. You knew at that point 
that Houston had no answer. Coming into the second half, and, and how do you stop those guys in Kansas City? I mean, I was just trying to think about that earlier today. They have such great weapons, but Patrick Mahomes, it's like he has an open receiver every single play. I don't know how you stop this group of talent, what they're able to do with their running backs out of the backfield, how Patrick's able to extend time, buy time when he needs to. He's great and calm within the pocket, but he's also the best when he's outside of the pocket. What he's able to do with his legs and his arm outside the pocket is is unbelievable. And, um, you know, you look at uh, what what sort of team can stop this team. First of all, the best – the best defense to Patrick Mahomes is keeping him on the sideline. Yeah, exactly. And, and so when you look at how Tennessee is built with that run game, with Henry, and what they're able to do physically in moving chains and hopefully ball control will play in their favor, uh, that's really the only way that I could see a team being able to match up with Kansas City. Now, not enough, I think, uh, attention has been put on what Tennessee can do on the defense side of the ball. They have beat Kansas City earlier in the season in Tennessee. I don't recall exactly what the situation was, whether Mahomes was playing in that game or not. But um, they've proven themselves that they can play with this team. And I think going into this game with the confidence that they've built up over the last two weeks with big-time wins in New England, in Baltimore, I mean, are you picking playing, the Titans? They're playing with a chip on their shoulder. You pick that's the, a tough team to play right now with the chip on your shoulder. You just picked the Titans. Is that what you just did, Jeff Garcia? <laughs> I didn't pick the Titans. But I didn't <laughs> <play>. <laughs> All right, Jeff, get back to your workout. I can't thank you enough for joining us. Every time you come on here, I learn and I'm intrigued by your conversation. You're very good, man. Uh, I appreciate it, man. Hey. All the best to you. Maybe we'll see you in Super Bowl time. You got it, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff Garcia, I appreciate you, man. Hello. Sorry for the interruption. I just want to let you know that right now there is something that is just a scoop that you put into a water bottle and it gives you all the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that you need for an entire damn day. Your body's nutritional needs change due to stress, travel, sleep patterns, exercise, the imperfect diet, whatever the hell you have going on. And even if you have a balanced, healthy diet, it can be tough to cover all of your nutritional bases. That's why top performers, athletes, executives, and entrepreneurs trust Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens Ultimate Daily is obsessively researched all-in-one nutritional support containing 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food ingredients in just one scoop. Just one scoop contains essential vitamins and minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, adaptogens, and more, providing you with convenient and comprehensive nutritional insurance that supports your gut health, energy, immunity, and more. And they even have these travel packs that make it especially easy to keep up your healthy routine, whether you're at home, in the office, or on the road. No need to carry around multiple pill bottles anymore. Simply put, Athletic Greens can help you feel great every day no matter what life throws your way. There's no compromises, no harmful chemicals, artificial colors, sweeteners, no added sugars, no GMOs. It's gluten and dairy-free. There's no herbicides or pesticides. You name it. It's vegan, paleo, and keto-friendly and just gives you everything you could possibly need from the vitamins and nutrients side of things in just one scoop. And they have travel packs to take with you on the road. And right now, if you go to athleticgreens.com 
forward slash Pat, you will get 20 free travel packs that are valued at $79 with your first purchase. Let Athletic Greens help you take care of yourself more. Athleticgreens.com forward slash Pat, 20 free travel packs valued at $79 with your first purchase. Let's go. New decade, new you. Let's get healthy. Joining us via FaceTime is the man that taught me how to punt from SMU. He's like six foot ten, punts balls a mile. The punter for the New Orleans Saints, all pro, Thomas Morstead. Pat, what's going on, brother? How are you, man? You look so cool with your dress shirt on. I'm button there. Are you in the middle of some meetings right now? Uh, we're, about, we're about to start this morning. I'm out in LA right now. What is it for? Is it for NFLPA or are you doing media run right now? Yep, NFLPA. We've got uh, the collegiate bowls out here and uh, just checking things out. All right, before we get to the Saints, because you've been there for 10 years, steadfast, a guy who's been an all-pro for the Saints, third disappointing loss for an incredible season. Before we talk to that, just because you're at the NFLPA stuff out there, the new CBA is up right now. There was conversations like a month and a half ago that a deal was going to be done early somehow, which I was very surprised about because there's billions of dollars at stake, and that could optically look bad for either side, whoever loses. How are those conversations going, and what are some differences that people are going to maybe learn about with the CBA coming out for the new one? Well, I'm on the executive committee, so I can't really talk about any of that. We're in, we, we have uh, <laughs> had meetings. Um, you know, your boy Vinatieri's on that as well. And, um, you know, it's, it's an exciting time for sure. Um, you know, it's a different climate than it was uh, nine years ago uh, for the old CBA. So hopefully we'll be able to make some moves in the right direction for uh, they're going to help every player. You say different climate. Does that mean it's been a lot more positive conversations as if we're business partners as opposed to going to war with each other, or is that what you're saying? Yeah, I would say for sure that it's been uh, amicable and that, um, you know, it seems like it's in everybody's best interest to uh, at least give it a shot, and so that's exciting. Is the conversation behind closed doors, both by the NFLPA and the NFL, that the lockout is something that was not good for both sides? Um, I, I, I think that's an opinion that everybody has that's different. So uh, I just think the climate right now is in a place that, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of positive reasons to, to at least have everybody intend to try to get something done. And, um, you know, we'll kind of see how it shakes out. Okay, perfect. Let's get back to the football now. New Orleans Saints have another incredible year. Uh, home playoff loss happens yet again. I mean, I mean, when I say heartbroken, I mean heartbroken for Saints and Saints fans and you as a friend. First, the Minneapolis miracle obviously happens. You end up lining up a D-tackle for an extra point after that. You looked great there. Then there's the phantom pass interference. And then there's this overtime loss where Drew Brees doesn't even get a chance to get back on the field, which obviously spurs a lot of conversation what is the state of the new orleans saints in your mind because every year you guys have this incredible team and then you're just so close to making another run like you did beating us for the super bowl what is the state of the new orleans saints you think uh i would say it's outstanding uh, i think new orleans uh 15 20 years ago was not seen as a, an elite organization um maybe a bit of a laughing stock and i think uh with drew and uh, Sean and Mickey Loomis, our GM, uh, there's just been such an incredible level of stability and sustained excellence. And, um, you know, it's, it, it doesn't make it easy to, to ever lose in the playoffs because, you know, those opportunities are they're not guaranteed. But um, as far as the organization goes, man, it's just so stable. I think they do things right from the top uh, down, and uh, that gives you a chance every year. 
I'm really happy that your just incredible onside kick at halftime that buried our Super Bowl uh, <laughs> is what could really kick off this entire run for the Saints. There was a entire article written about ambush and how impressive of an onside kick that was. And I said, for you to be a rookie, to be able to pull that kick off on the grandest, the biggest stage that there possibly could be with so much precision and everything like that, it was it would probably the most impressive kick I've ever seen. Literally the most impressive kick I've ever seen, I think. Well, I appreciate it. I was uh, just glad we weren't wearing white pants that day. That was- <laughs> <laughs> uh, you think Drew Brees has more in the tank, or everybody? The conversation about Drew Brees has always been: he's trying to get another one. You get close, he's trying to get another one. You get close, yeah. he's trying to get another one. He wasn't on the NFL uh, All 100 team. It was complete farce. He has every record you could possibly have. He has a Super Bowl ring. What do you see? Drew Brees having more in the tank and coming back for another run at this thing? Yeah, look, I um, I can't see him not being back next year. Uh, he loves the game so much, and he loves this team. And at the end of the day, he's a competitor, and he just wants to go after it. And every time he doesn't get an accolade that he deserves or that I think he deserves, um, it's good for him, man. He plays best with a chip on his shoulder. He's done that his whole life. And um, so I, I, I kind of, uh, you know, it's always a good thing whenever he does, he's a little underappreciated because I I think he takes things personal and he's competitive and he loves to win and uh, I'd expect him back next year. Thomas, it feels like a lot of the greats operate that way. Aaron Rodgers, everybody, now he'll never say it, but everybody around him says that. I operate that way. I'm not saying I'm Aaron Rodgers, but professional athletes, I feel like people think aren't as petty as they are, but anytime you have a chance to feel slighted, it's a great way to use his motivation. I'm happy to hear that Drew Brees, arguably best quarterback of all time, but they're at least in a conversation top three, top four of all time, feels that same way as well. Yeah, look, I think uh, you can call it petty. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't describe uh, Drew that way, but I think another word maybe is some of the best athletes I've been around. Uh, they 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 get salty kind of quick, and uh, and so I, you know our kicker Will Lux is like that. I would joke with him all the time. Uh, he he's he kind of gets a little sensitive about things, but he takes it personal, and that's why he's so good. Um, he's just he's just a machine, you know. You give back to the punting community and kicking community more than any other punter I've ever seen. You taught me how to punt. You've taught a lot of the guys in the NFL currently how to punt. I think you should get a lot more credit for that than you do, by the way. Look, I don't do it for credit. Um, you know, I've, I've always kind of had this life philosophy, what you give will grow and what you keep you lose. And whenever, you know, some people are like, hey, man, you're training guys to take your job. I just feel like whenever it's time to be done, it'll be time to be done and it's you're meant to share with what, what you have and um honestly i'll never forget those two days we spent right after you got drafted up in wisconsin that was uh that was good times for sure <laughs> thomas thomas all right will you just tell me how to punt <laughs> I, hey listen i just got drafted to punt i understand i have a little bit of an ability but to make a paycheck here i'm gonna have to be a little bit better is there any way you could tell me how to punt in for two days to your credit you 1,000% did. And then fast forward, we're in the Super Bowl together. And now, I mean, I had- I, I was I was second-guessing myself at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, the punter of the decade thing comes out, right? You're number two. I'm number one. I think that's yep. wrong. I don't think I should have got it. I think you should have been it. But that is something- hey, 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 the numbers don't lie, Pat. Numbers don't lie. And uh, I love PFF. Uh, they've been... Shoot, I negotiated my last contract with all their data. So, uh, <laughs> you know, the numbers don't lie, and you deserve that, man. You, you, All you did your whole career was get better. 
That means a lot. And all I did was learn from you. Let's talk about people getting better. Okay, that Niners team, they got better. Last year, they they stunk because Jimmy G decided to zig instead of zag. You played in a game against them that was must-see television. Now, they are hosting a playoff game against Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship. How do you see that one going, and who do you give the edge to, Thomas? Well, look, I think the stats say the home team has got the edge. Um, I think it's a little bit of a... Uh, a mind f a little bit with how the game the original game went early in the season with the Packers getting smoked I think that's uh that's that can be a tough deal for San Fran I think um just it's it's hard to beat a really good team twice and they beat them so handily and so you know uh, I think the Packers will obviously figure out a lot of adjustments to make and um you know I think special teams could be huge you know JK Scott being out in San Francisco where it's nice weather typically that guy is special, man. He is special. He can be a game changer for them for sure. How, I don't know how you guys punt and not leave the ground. Hey, man, you're an athlete and I'm not, so I had to find a different way. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're talking about J.K. Scott for punting insider. J.K. Scott, when he punts, you see his plant foot never leaves the ground. It's always right leg. Thomas does the same. I, I, I got another piece for you on J.K. that I've never seen before. His, you know, there's typically a little air time between your drive step and your plant. He almost has both feet on the ground at the same time. I've never seen that before if you go watch that. Is that why he was so consistent? Because that little air time there can make your stride a little there, bit different. Yeah, there's no air time, and his legs are like he's like a giraffe out there. It's amazing watching him punt. Well, I, I um, so I've been corrected. He does not do yoga. He does Pilates, which is what you do, too. So you two are the same exact yeah. human being, basically. Absolutely. All right. That's that's. That's for non-athletes, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas, you're a freak athlete. I appreciate you. So, oh, Luke Keekley retires. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. NFL PA member, uh, NFC South member, a guy who you sent me a photo of you and Luke Keekley having an interaction. I have no idea what it was. That a blocked field goal? <laughs> yeah, we had a blocked field goal, and uh, I thought I'd be able to, uh, you know, I was able to kind of get to him and then he decided i think he slowed up at the end just so he could embarrass me yeah <laughs> uh, it was definitely my uh my most embarrassing moment as a professional athlete yeah you got earl thomas there by <laughs> looking at a photo for those that are listening on radio thomas you've been in the league now 10 years you're 30 plus years old you've seen a lot of players come and go uh andrew luck retires young everybody talks about it gronk retires young uh now luke keekley is retiring before the age of 30 do you see this being something that is going to continue to happen as players continue to realize that there's opportunities off the field and maybe it's time to give somebody else another chance. I've accrued enough money or what do you think it is? Or do you think this is just kind of like a case by case basis? Look, I, I think, look, the money is in a different realm than it's ever been and it's only continuing to go up. And I think you're going to see players that, um, that play positions that are physically very difficult to play. Um, those guys that you just listed, a lot of those guys have gotten beat up a lot, whether it's concussions or just getting, you know, Gronk, he's just getting everybody's best shot every time he caught the ball because uh, he's so dang big. And and Andrew got, you know, waylaid for years up in Indy. And I just, you know, you're going to see guys that are going to start looking around and they're going to say, look, I'm healthy right now. And um, I've still got my wits about me. I've got a ton of money in the bank. Um, what's it worth? And you're going to see that. If you, I think the common thing you see, there's a lot of smart guys you just listed, right? That are they're going to be thinking about things like that, and it's uh, it's only human nature to think like that. 
uh, it's different when you got no money in the bank account. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see that continue. Completely agree. You're a very intelligent man as well. I hope you punt till the wheels fall off, though, because you're a lot of fun. What's this juice company you're now investor owner a part of? I mean, good for you getting in business. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Uh, Main Squeeze uh, Juice Company. It's a franchising company down in uh, Louisiana based in New Orleans. And uh, I actually got uh, into it or interested in it because Marcus Colson was their initial investor. Mm-hmm. And um, they're, uh, you know, I just, I started checking my credit card statement every month, and I said, okay, I need to find a deal or something here because I'm spending <laughs> time in this place. And uh, so I got in touch with those guys and uh, got to meet their team, and they're expanding very rapidly, uh, taking over Houston now, and now we're expanding in Dallas and getting into Florida. We're trying to take over the southeast as quick as possible. It's a race to real estate, and, um, you know, it's just a big passion of mine, health, wellness, and being able to provide value, information, and uh, – and how uh, certain things have helped me prolong my career or try to continue to get better in my career. Passing those along to uh, people that follow me uh, is kind of a passion of mine. And so, um, you know, New Orleans isn't exactly known as the uh, health capital of the world. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something I'm passionate about and, uh, and it's exciting to be a part of. Well, I appreciate you so much for joining us. Good luck with Main Squeeze. What you give will grow is also awesome. You grow your hair out and then you cut it and donate it. I mean, you're a man amongst men. I appreciate the hell out of you. Good luck in those negotiations with the NFL. And uh, congrats on continuing to be able to just slaughter footballs. You man, Pat. Thanks for having me on, man. Ladies and gentlemen, all pro Super Bowl champion, Thomas. Thank you, Thomas. Thanks, guys. He taught me how to punt. That was a hilarious day. (laughs) Nice guy. Very nice guy. Completely different human than me. Completely. I think he has like an engineering degree from SMU, like very, very intelligent, super tall. His legs come up to like my boobs. (laughs) Everything is different. It's just, it's a very different world between he and I. But he like, he's one of those guys that's legit, you know? Uh Like he's legit. Like you can ask him a question, he'll give you real answers. In his professional sports world, that's not always going to happen. You see it with backups getting drafted and then the starter not taking care of him because you are literally giving the keys to the Mm -hmm. estate to somebody that's potentially going to knock you out of your house, literally. And Thomas Morstead was a kid and a guy guy at this time, I guess, but a kid at then, I was like, man, I I don't know why they drafted me to do this. Uh, Bill Belichick literally told me, we think you're athletic enough to figure it out. I'm like, I I need to figure it out, Thomas. He was like, let's go. And we did like, we took like two hours on the field. Then we went and watched film. And then the next day, the same thing. And just, you know, under the dick. (laughs) That's sometimes things that happen. Good news, men out there looking to shave their balls in a much more safe fashion. Support for Pat McAfee comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. It's 2020, and you know what that means? New year, new me, new balls. Men, listen up. Harry Bushes are so 2019. If you're going to pick any New Year's resolution this year, let it be to take care of your junk. Manscaped is making it easy with their grooming products. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer so you no longer have to be scared to groom around your kit and caboodle. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past and you should never, ever, ever use the same trimmer on your face as you do on your balls. 
Alongside the Lawnmower 2.0, Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PAT at manscaped.com. Start the new year off right by using the best tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PAT at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PAT. First time I use this. Shaved my entire lower half of my body. Even got the toe hairs because it's just so smooth, so smooth, so quick, so efficient, so clean, so fresh. Manscaped.com. All right, that's the show. Hope you enjoyed it. We talked about a lot of stuff in there. If you agree with it, I would like you to tweet me at Pat McAfee Show. If you don't agree with it, I'd like you to tweet me at Pat McAfee Show. I might not respond because, you know, I don't like the negative bullshit, but I would like to hear your thoughts on everything. If you enjoy what we got going on, tell a friend. Say, hey, Pat Show 2.0 podcast, not bad. Talk about stuff. Have a good time. And if you didn't like the show, like, hey, just act like you never, never heard it, you know, just go about your life. Hey, I just spent some time listening to something I don't like. I'm never going to talk about it again. I appreciate that because if you loved it. I thank you so much. Keep fucking with us Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. We got another one coming out for you tomorrow. It's going to be good. Life is good. I hope yours is as well. Happy 2020. Let's make it the fucking greatest. Happy Thursday. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music.